What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey, episode number 91, presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I am super excited to be wearing a reverse retro National Hockey League jersey. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller, and he looks like he's rocking a brand new Seattle Kraken hat that he got for Christmas. Frank, how was your holiday? It was fantastic. A lot of fun. Yes, you are correct. I am wearing a brand new Release the Kraken, Seattle Kraken hat. Ah. Very schnaz. I like it a lot. Um, I like the color. It's not the baby blue, but it's a very unique take on the Kraken. It makes me wonder the fact that they sell those. Are we going to see baby blue incorporated a little bit more as the Seattle Kraken break out of their youth as an organization? Um, It could be. I really like this logo. Yeah, the Kraken. I love it's like it. not the standard Kraken logo. It's like a no. full out Kraken, like something you'd see out of Pirates of the Caribbean or something. Yeah, and that's an NHL branded hat. That I can't answer. I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think so. Okay, because I like that take on it. I I really like that take on it. It would really go well with the reverse retro. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think uh, we could see some variation of this Kraken on a jersey in the near future. I wouldn't be too surprised. Absolutely. So how? what else? How was your Christmas? You got anything good? Um, Just that everything that I said I look forward to on Christmas happened. Like the traditions of playing your Christmas-related games, that lived up to the hype even more so. We had a lot of different games we played that we don't normally play. And that was one of the things I was looking forward to most this year is one of the traditions that I love about the Christmas season. Yeah. Um, and it was just overall, it was overall good, good time. What did you think? How was your uh, Christmas? Yeah. Did same you, thing. Did you, I, I assume you got that for Christmas. You just didn't pull that out of thin air. No, I didn't pull it out of thin air. It was Christmas slash birthday. I've actually had it for a couple weeks now, but it's finally making its, debut on the show because the Devils are playing tonight against the Boston Bruins and the person who bought me this is a fan of the Boston Bruins so that's why I felt it was appropriate to wear it on the show today and uh, I was going to run USA because obviously we're going to talk about the World Juniors and all that coming up but I'm like I'll rock the USA jersey next week when we're kind of past group play a little bit and getting into the elimination portion so that's when I'll run the USA jersey but yeah love it reverse retro Jack I like it a lot so, and I got the winter hat to match it too, but it's way too hot to be. What are you wearing back. right now on your head? Uh, LSU national oh. champion or SEC champions. I was at the game and I decided I was rooting for LSU because I love Joe Burrow, but I decided that I was going to buy the hat regardless because when's the next time I'm going to get to the SEC championship game? I will go again in my life, but it might not be for a while because it's in Atlanta. So, you know, I love the hat. Love the hat. I also forgot to mention that I will be going to the Blackhawks game on January 6th Woo! Arizona Coyotes. Very Hopefully cool. We'll see a dub. That's, it could be a winnable game for the Hawks. Probably not. But um, <laughs> just don't want them to get shut out. Yeah. Yeah, like they did yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to them in just a hot minute. Yeah, we'll get to them a little bit, I'm assuming. I don't have it written down, but we always talk Blackhawks. We always talk Devils. Um, I think I'm going on the eighth, the very next game <laughs> against the Calgary Flames, and they're wearing they're wearing they're wearing their reverse retros that day. Subscopes. So, 
What's up, Skokes? Um, yeah. But part of the reason we're going on the 6th is because that's gamer day at the, Blackhawks, uh, at the Blackhawks game. So there's going to be a lot of gamer-related events going on if you get there before it starts, like retro gaming consoles and all that stuff. So it's a whole Blackhawks event focused for that night on gamers. So I figured that is going to be a really fun night to go to. That is. And hockey, man. It's really getting good now. We're getting into the nitty-gritty of the season. After New Year, we're going to start talking, you know, post-Winter Classic is when we start talking about all-star games and skills competition and, you know, may I say, the playoffs. So, you know, we're going to get all into all of that, and we are going to start by talking about hockey's next generation of stars in period number one. Welcome to period one, where we will talk about everyone's favorite. Well, not everyone. It's one of my favorite things on the hockey calendar. It comes in the during the Christmas break of every year, December 26th. We call it Return Day in USA. We call it Boxing Day in Canada. In Vinnyland, it's called the start of the World Juniors. All of the great nations come together with their top prospects. Most of them are NHL draft eligible prospects or already drafted NHL prospects. Team USA set to begin their game. If you're listening to this later, you're going to think I'm crazy. But live action right now, 50 minutes. We get Team USA's next game against Slovakia. Big game for New Jersey Devils fans as the top two Devils prospects will face each other in that game. Uh, Simone Nimic facing off and Team Slovakia facing off against Luke Hughes and Team USA. So that should be really fun. Frank, have you caught any of the World Juniors so far? Is there anything you've been looking at, stuff you're excited about? I know you saw that on DeWindyCity.com. There's been a couple recaps of things going on related to the Chicago Blackhawks. What's your take on this tourney so far? Well, if you recall from last week's episode, we broke down USA and Canada in pretty good depth. Oh, yeah. And one of the things I said about Team USA is you got Logan Cooley, you got um, Shane Wright, Luke Hughes. Luke Hughes, but the one guy to look out for is Jimmy Snuggerud. And boy, did he he open the scoring in the USA game in their five to two victory over Latvia. Um, he also, I believe, on that goal was uh, Logan Cooley assisted on it. So Snuggerud made an impact. I also said that the defense for Team USA is built on offense. They are not built big. They don't have a lot of big builds on defense, but they're build, built more around scoring. And I think that's their biggest opportunity to take the World Junior title home um, and, and be the best team this year is by having their defense play up to – you know, high expectations or play up to their ceiling. And they did just that. Luke Hughes scored their fifth goal of the game. Um, and overall, the defenseman, uh, Sean Barons, he had one goal, one assist. And defenseman overall had four points in the game. So exactly what I predicted from Team USA the, of the World Juniors, their defense, big offensive night for their defense. And that's going to have to continue if they want to take down Team Canada later on or some of the top teams, or even like the Czech, or whoever they end up playing, the, their defense is going to have to play up to that ceiling that we saw in their first game and continue that. On the other end of things, we saw a stunner from the Czech against Team Canada, 5-2 defeat. 
Shane Wright had a power play goal. Connor Bedard had a goal. You had their offense, who you'd figure would chip in in that game, scored with Bedard and Shane Wright. The scary thing is, like I said last week, their defense is built for basically strictly defending and not being as offense as some of the other teams uh, in the World Juniors, and they let up five goals. So when you have a team built for strictly playing more on the defensive side of things, and you give up five goals in a game where you're projected to win, that's a little bit of a scary scene there. I know that their biggest Achilles heel in the game is they took way too many penalties. They had a total, including fights and all that, they had a total of 37 penalty minutes, but 15 of those penalty minutes, they were shorthanded. They were shorthanded for 25% of the game, almost a full period. Hence why they lost 5-2. to two. It's very tough to play when you're shorthanded for a quarter of the game. Um, but they, they have a chance to rebound versus Germany tonight. Um, I believe that's a 5.30 central start. Um, so they have a chance to rebound. But ultimately, been catching some highlights. It's been interesting. Uh, stunners, like I said. And, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of good hockey so far. I have a take that a lot of people aren't going to like, but it's just what my eyes told me when I watched Team USA beat, um, what are they called? Latvia. Latvia. Latvia is not a powerhouse. They're always in it. They always are good enough to make the World Juniors as a country, and they deserve respect for that. But they're not one of the five or six juggernaut countries when it comes to hockey. Um, What I saw in that game for Team USA is not what people want to hear. They are going to have a down year in the World Juniors, I think. And it's now no disrespect to Team USA. I think when we get to the World Cup of Hockey and the Olympics, they're going to be a very good team that has a chance to beat Canada with the Hughes brothers and the Kachuk brothers and obviously Austin Matthews, Jack Eichel, Tage Thompson. I mean, this team is going to be stacked. Patrick Kane might not make it. He might be a fourth liner if he does. That's how good Team USA is going to be next time around. Now, for the World Juniors in 2022 slash 2023, it's a down year. Their best forward is Logan Cooley, and I'm not sure besides him they have a true like game breaker. There's no Austin Matthews this year. There's no Jack Hughes. Okay, Johnny Goudreau lit the world on fire when he played in the World Juniors, and I believe they won gold. That uh, two years ago they were built to beat Canada, and they had some good players. Obviously. They ended up getting it done. I think Canada had a better roster, and they just didn't show up to play in the gold medal game, and they lost two to nothing. Team USA scoring isn't what it needs to be. You met you you nailed it right on their head. Their defense is incredible. Okay, I think they're going to get a lot of contributing factors from the defense, but when they play a team like Canada or even Finland, the Czech Republic. Listen, I'm worried about Team Swiss too. The Swiss are coming. They're becoming a power country. They had Heischer be the number one overall pick a couple years ago. They keep putting NHL players in all-star games and stuff like that at a rapidly increasing rate. Team Swiss will be a one of the – it'll go from being a big five to a big six because the Swiss are coming and they're not going anywhere. Um, but back to Team USA, if a team like Canada focuses their game around shutting down Team USA's defense – and you kind of push back on them a little bit, they're, they're kind of going to be an easy team to beat. I, I just think that way. Against Latvia, it was even against Latvia, the first two periods, they entered the third period tied at two. 
and then they broke it open and scored three goals in the third. Listen, that's nice and all, but in my opinion, the USA squeaked out a win against Latvia. And that's just going to be an issue if they if the offense, the forwards, really don't go above and beyond expectation later in the tournament. Is that possible? Absolutely. But I, I just don't see Team USA as good as Canada, and I know Canada lost to the Czech. Let me tell you why I think the Canada team lost to the Czech. In the first period, hockey was just way too easy for them. It was way too easy for them. You had two attempts at the Michigan. Bedard and Fantilli both tried it. They both tried to score on the Michigan goal. But neither of them did. Shane Wright opened the scoring one nothing Canada on a beautiful redirect. And then from there, they got outworked by the Czech. And it's nice to have lots of skill. It's wonderful. It makes life so much easier if you're really, really good at hockey. But if you don't play the game the right way and work together and not make it so individualistic, the Michigan's awesome. I love seeing Trevor Zegers do it when he pulls it off. But tre- even Trevor Zegers understands that there's a time and a place for that. And it's a very individualistic play. And listen, I'm not sounding like John Tortorella. I love that guy's attempt at Michigan. I hope it never goes away. I hope they don't make it illegal. It's great for the game. But when you're tied at zero in the first game of a tournament, let's let's cool off on that a little bit. Team Canada got a little big for their bridges. And Shane Wright scored made it one nothing. They got outworked from there. And then when they were down 3-1, to one, I did notice something that Chicago Blackhawks fans are going to like. Kevin Korchinski made a play where he forced a turnover in the defensive zone and the puck pops in the air like a little pop fly, a little pop fly, lands in the middle of the ice. Shane Wright pushes it forward. It ends up on the stick of Connor Bedard. Connor Bedard takes the puck, gains the neutral zone on, or gains the offensive zone onside, snipes, gets Canada back in, and I'm thinking, all right, it's over for the check. You know, no shot, they don't blow this one. And then they, what did they do? They kept it going, and they ended up scoring two more goals in the third period to make it a 5-2 to two check victory. I think that's the last time Canada's going to lose. <laughs> Stay out of the penalty box. Yeah, I truly think, yeah, Skokes makes a great point. Del Mastro was awesome. And, I mean, half of Canada's defense is Blackhawks prospects, which is wonderful, wonderful news, knowing that they probably will be drafting a forward no matter if they're pick one through four, listen, they're either going to have the best record or, or they're either going to have the best odds at winning the lottery or the second best odds at winning the lottery that guarantees them a top four pick. And so they'll either get Carlson, Mitchkov, Fantilli or Bedard. And oh, they're all forwards. I, I'm pretty sure Carlson's a forward. I don't know too much about him yet. He's still coming up the rankings, but the top three are all forwards. They're building, they built on defense in the last draft. Great news that Korchinski's able to play. He's showing he can play with a high, highly skilled player like Bedard. I think if Bedard was in the NHL this year, he'd be a top 50 player. Like, I truly think that. And he's just so good. He will come into the NHL and be an impact player next year. People, sh- If your team is in the bottom five right now, if your favorite team is the San Jose Sharks, the Anaheim Ducks, Ottawa Senators, Philadelphia Flyers, or Chicago Blackhawks, you should be rooting for your team to lose every single game because Connor Bedard is that good. I saw it. I, I've seen a couple Regina Pats highlights. 
but nothing like what we got to see in the World Juniors the other day when he's playing with some of the best skilled young players in the world, playing on a line with Shane Wright. You know, he's probably not going to see too much of Fantilli anymore. Fantilli had an awful game against the Czech Republic. I'm expecting him to bounce back next game, though, because that's how it works. When great players have a bad game, they bounce back. But I, I just – I think very highly of this Canadian team. They got outworked. They are not out-talented by any team in the tournament this year, in my opinion. And I'm not just saying that because it's Canada and it's easy to say that Canada is the best. They're not always the best. They, they After McDavid got drafted, you might remember when McDavid got drafted, their best prospect was Nolan Patrick. Where's Nolan Patrick right now? I'm pretty sure he's a health bomb for Vegas every game. So it's just like... They went on a lull, too. Every country goes through a little bit of a lull when guys start going to the NHL. Yep. and USA is in a forward lull right now. They'll come back. You know, it'll, they'll be back. But right now it's all about their defense. They'll win games using that defense against weaker teams. But I don't think Canada is going to lose another game. I will be stunned. This will be the most disappointing roster in Canada history right there with 2020 when they came in second. They got the silver medal. Team USA found a way to beat them for the gold medal. But – People forget they're the defending champions. They did redo the World Juniors from last year in August. And Canada won the gold in that too. So Bedard, Fantilli, Shane Wright, these guys are awesome. Shane Wright, low-key, has been just as good as Bedard in this tournament. He's a year more advanced than him in terms of age and growth as a, a man, a kid. But I just I think so highly of this Canadian team, and they are going to absolutely destroy Team Germany tonight. I would I would be surprised if they don't win by at least three. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's uh that's surprising. I think uh I mean I get what you're saying, but like I said, I think a lot of their they have to be more disciplined too. You can't play a quarter of the game shorthanded. I mean that that's a huge factor as to why they lost as well. Yeah, they got a little bit too big for the bridges. They were doing some fancy moves that you didn't necessarily need to do. You didn't need the pretty stuff. Um, it's all about getting the puck to the net. You don't have to – it's not how you score. It's just how many you score. And um, we'll see if they, they could beat Germany. They should. I'm with you. I'd be shocked if they lose the rest of the way at this stage. Now, when we're in a gold medal game or whatever medal game they're going to play for and they lose – that's a different story. But in these group stages, I'd be a little surprised if they lose another game. If they do, then I think that this team is built poorly because, like I said, Team USA and Team Canada, they're built completely different ways. And what I've seen, regardless of how they held in there with Latvia and they broke open in the third period, their defense played up to the way I expected them to. I expected their defense to be a little bit on the offensive side, and they did. But if for some reason Canada gets – they lose 4-2 to two even to Germany, we got problems on defense. And it's a little – you know, I don't necessarily like that because half of the defensive prospects are made up of Chicago Blackhawks. It's not their fault completely. But um, it'll be interesting to see how they respond tonight, and I'm sure uh, we'll talk about that. On next week's show as we've progressed a little bit through the World Juniors a little bit more. Um, how cool would it be if the Hawks got Connor Bedard? And, like, you got Bedard, Korchinski, Del Mestro, Doc. I mean, you got all these guys on. It's like the World Junior Canadian team is the Blackhawks. <laughs> They're getting Bedard or Fantilli, in my opinion. I They're mean, getting I Bedard. I told you last week it's fate. What, because his birthday shared with yes. you? Yes. 
it's fate. It's actually unbelievable that his birthday is January, uh, July 17th. But one team I did want to mention, Sweden. The Swedes are really good. They beat Germany 11 nothing. Yeah. And if no, Canada no, 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 Austria. Or you're, it was Austria? They beat, they beat Germany, Germany it was Austria. It was Austria. You're yeah. right. They beat um, Germany one nothing. They haven't let up a goal. Yeah, they haven't allowed a goal. They will allow a goal, I promise. <laughs> but um, they're good. They're very good. Lots of NHL prospects. The Blackhawks have yeah. a prospect. Um, the Devils have one, I think. Um, yeah, it, it's a really good Sweden team. Those guys, a lot of them are going to play in the NHL. Um, there's a reason they're able to go on these big types of wins. Um, Finland, they beat Slovakia yesterday. The replay is actually on the TV right now. Um, as we wait for Team USA to start. But I will say we've seen Finland win gold, right? Like they've won gold many times. I believe they won gold as recently as 2018 or 2019. Like they're very capable of winning gold on a regular basis. I don't see it for them this year. Yeah. They lost one to the Swiss. Um, they could surprise, of course. I, I just don't think very highly of Slovakia right now. If Slovakia was to advance out of their group, that would mean that their best player, Simone Nemich, the Devils prospect, would have to go above and beyond from the back end, and I just don't see him doing that all by himself. I just don't. So I I do think Team USA is going to advance out of their group. They're probably the second or third best team. I think the-, the Czech are a little underrated. They are. They Oh, they work their balls nobody, off. Nobody really talks about the Czech. I mean, yeah, they beat Canada, and they shut out Austria 6-0. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think they're they're up there. To contend. It's not like the Czechs have been strangers to being hockey powerhouses, though. Exactly. David Pasternak, Yaramir Yager, David Krejci. I mean. Some of the greatest players of all time are Czech. The greatest Devils forward of all time is from the Czech Republic. Patrick We're hoping Jack Hughes breaks all his records. He's on pace to break his single season points record. I don't even know what I would do to see Jack Hughes break Patrick Eliash's single season points record. I do think it's going to happen if he stays healthy. Uh, 95 points, Eliash, or 96. If When Hughes has his inevitable 100-point season, he will break that record. But um, I just I think very highly of the Czechs all time. They, they went on a down, though. There was a little bit of a down stretch where the best prospect they pumped out was Hurdle. You know, he was their best. And Hurdle's a very good power forward, don't get me wrong. Uh, I do think the Sharks trade him either this year or next year, and he'll make a team very happy to get him. But they're they're starting to come up again, and I'm excited about it because it's a good group of hockey players in their history. So I'd like to see Slovakia get back to that level. They're in a down right now. Nimic and Slavkovsky have been great. You know, we see Slavkovsky playing for the Montreal Canadiens. Nimic is playing in the World Junior tournament right now but i mean to have the one and two overall picks come from the same country and that's the country that's been on a down for a little bit here that's good news so my surprise team is the swiss my disappointing team so far is finland i'm bullish on team usa i think very highly of canada but i would like to see canada play the u.s in the gold medal game obviously i feel like everybody just kind of lives for that unless you live in the Czech or Finland or but I mean that just seems like it's been a staple lately is USA Canada always rivalries and no matter what you do you could be playing a soccer game and it could be a rivalry yeah it sucks that there's no 
uh, Ovechkin's country because of all the political stuff going on. They're not in the World Juniors, which, I mean, I get it, obviously, but they pump out great hockey players year after year too. So, you know, it'd be nice to be able to watch Mitchkov play in this tournament, but that's just not the way it is. Um, what else you got on the world juniors? Is there anything that's surprising you? Something you're looking forward to? Um, no, I mean, no, I think we did a great job covering each team. Oh, yeah. We talked about the Swiss, Czech, Finland, Sweden, Slovakia, um, there's a couple teams we didn't talk about. Yeah, like how much are we going to get into Austria? Yeah, Black. I mean, I mentioned Austria, but there, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's really nothing. Austria is really not that good of a team. No, and they'll, they'll, they'll probably up, what, 17 goals. Yeah, they'll probably be the team that gets relegated because every year there's whoever comes in last, I think. Yeah, in the host each, country. isn't it last in each group or no? It might, it might be, and but you can re-earn it. And Latvia and Austria always seem to be re-earning it. Yeah. Like, like Austria pumped out, you know, some very good players like Thomas Vanek. You might remember Vanek; he was from Austria. You know, they pump out good players here and there. But it's nice to see every country have a chance to get involved each year. Like we've seen Great Britain make it. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had Italy, and I would love to see Italy become a hockey like. Even if they were like one of those stinky teams that lost by five every game, it'd be nice to see them make the tournament one of these years because, like, Heischer, number one overall pick, NHL superstar now, he's from Nader, Switzerland, which is about a half hour north of the Italian border. You know, he was a ride from here to Soldier Field away from being Italian instead of Swiss. Mm -hmm. So, like, eh. I don't know. I, I just think it's cool to see all these different countries. Remember when Slovenia went on a little run of being awesome? So Eric wants to see South Korea. South Korea's play South Korea played in Pyeongchang, I believe. Which oh, that was uh, they were the host country. Host country, yeah, that's true. But, but you would get an automatic bid, don't you? Where there was a time where they made it as not the host country. It was either World Juniors or the World Championship. And that's how it is in the World Cup too. Yeah, like, host country you get, always. You get, yeah, you get an automatic bid. Which is funny because isn't the 2028 World Cup – or no, 2026 World Cup, isn't it just North America? Yeah, They're so the United teams. States, Canada, and Mexico get an automatic bid. Yeah, that's wild that three teams get an automatic bid. All three of them would probably make it anyway. Yeah. Like Mexico is probably the worst of the three right now, no? When normally they're the best? Didn't oh, Mexico not so the best? No, of the three. Oh, I thought they used to be good. I don't know, to be they, honest. No, they definitely used to be good. I didn't think Canada was that good. Well, Canada's no. made like the last two World Cups, though, is what I'm saying. Mexico didn't make this last World Cup, right? Right. No, I, don't I don't think, think they, they were in it. And the U.S. did. So I'm Let's happy see. all three. I'm excited. I hope, I hope at least two of the three get to play each other. Feed me a USA Mexico game or a Mexico a Mexico Canada game would be awesome. Even a USA Canada, I said that USA Canadian rivalry extends more than just hockey. Yeah, they're they're each other's biggest rival now. It, it, they used to not be. The US and Russia used to have a bigger rivalry, and the US and Canada and Russia used to have a bigger rivalry in hockey too. But I think since nineteen ninety ish, it's a newer ish rivalry. Yes, absolutely. Um, 
Frank, we are now in the post-Christmas portion yep. of the NHL, and that's a big milestone. It's a huge milestone. Who was the best team in the NHL pre-Christmas? All right. Well, I, I mean, I wrote down three teams because I think these teams were the best in their own way. You got the Boston Bruins who <coughs> – sorry. One – or not one, but if the season ended today, they would win the President's Trophy. They're 27-4-3 with 57 points. They have a point percentage of 838, which is insane. You're getting a point in a National Hockey League game. Almost 84% of the games you play, which is just absolutely absurd. Plus, they have the best goal differential in the league with a plus 55 they haven't lost the game at home in regulation. They're 18-0-2. So, I mean, yeah, they were the best team pre-Christmas. Another team who has given them a run for their money and been extremely hot, and I saw them firsthand last night, is the Carolina Hurricanes. They're 23-6-6. Their last 10 games, they're 9-0-1, and once again, they shut out the Chicago Blackhawks for the second time this season. They just can't find a way to score against the Hurricanes. And they're doing this all with the rookie goaltender in Kochetkov. So, I mean, he's been stunning. They went into Christmas break on an absolute heater. And then another team who's not even in the top five of standings in the National Hockey League right now, I believe they come in at seventh. The Washington Capitals have been extremely hot going into the winter break. They're, they've won nine of their last ten games as well. And um, it's just a team that I didn't necessarily see having so much success this year. Because remember, they're a Backstromless team. They don't have Nicholas Backstrom. So, I, you know, they started off the year with some injuries I thought would kind of hold them back. They're excelling right now. They went into Christmas break on a heater. Once again, I believe they won 4-1 last night. I forgot who they played. Came out of Christmas break. Still on that same heater, they have been another team that has been hot. All three of those teams went into Christmas break, in my opinion, as some of the best teams in the National Hockey League. I agree with you. I think the two best teams in the league are the Carolina Hurricanes and the Boston Bruins. I would put the Bruins one, Hurricanes two. I will give an honorable mention to the Vegas Golden Knights, who have been right there with the Dallas Stars and the Winnipeg Jets as the best teams in the Western Conference. I'll give a nod to my New Jersey Devils. They went on a little bit of a slump right before Christmas, but they bounced back with a great win against the Florida Panthers last week. And they um, played, they outplayed the Bruins in that Friday night game, the 23rd, Christmas Eve Eve. And they out, they shot, outshot them 41 to 25, I think. And they were all over them in the third period and they couldn't find the tying goal. That happens sometimes. I do think the Devils are like back a little bit. Uh, they play the Bruins again tonight, so I will give the Devils an honorable mention. They've been one of the best teams in the first half. I'm not letting a little bit of a five-game stretch where they weren't at their best, you know, take away going on a 13-game winning streak and all that kind of stuff that they did in the first half. Their first half exceeded all of my expectations, so they get a, a nod from me, but I think the Bruins are the best team in the league. The fact that the Devils should probably should have beat them on Friday speaks volumes for them, and we'll see if they're able to we'll do it again. Rematch. Yeah, it'll be a good rematch tonight, and I'm excited about it. Isn't it crazy, though, how the Bruins have the best points percentage at 838, and then the Hurricanes have the second best point percentage at 743? 
that's a 10% gap. A 10% gap, but the Bruins are only ahead five points, which is, um, it's, it's truly remarkable what the Boston Bruins are doing this year. And like Eric Kush says, that home, that home record is ridiculous. They haven't lost a game in regulation. Their two losses came to the Senators. Yeah. No, 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 no. Well, the they they lost they lost to the Senators, but it was in. Um, they lost to Ottawa. Vegas They're, in yeah. a shootout or yeah. something, which was one of their home losses, yeah. which ended the streak. Yeah. And then I can't think of their other one. It was I know they lost to the it Senators. It was yesterday against the Sens. I thought the Sens were home though. I think both losses to the Senators this year came in Ottawa. Oh, maybe, maybe it was, was. It? the Senators were home yesterday. Oh, was it Winnipeg? I don't know. No, it might have been Winnipeg. I thought Bruins won that game. I know Winnipeg was up 2-0, and I thought Bruins. You're right. You're right. I can't think of it, but they they do definitely have two losses at home this year. Yeah, they do. In regulation. I'm just happy now that um, I'm happy now that the Devils are at home. They don't play the Bruins at TD Garden until later in the year. So this game tonight, it's at the Rock. So should be interesting for sure. Absolutely. Frank, you brought up the Washington Capitals. Your boy, Alexander Ovechkin, scored two goals two games ago, and he now has 802 career goals. He has passed the great, legendary Gordie Howe to be second all-time on the NHL's goal list. It's probably one of the greatest accomplishments in the history of the league because even though he hasn't gotten a one yet, he's at two, and it's harder to score today. He did it in way less games than Gordie Howe did. How he needed to play till he was 50 to reach that amount of goals. Ovechkin is 37 or 38. And, yeah, just absolutely outstanding. He's in the mid-20s for goals. He's on pace for another 45, 50-goal season. Um, the man's just an absolute tank. 55. 45. Oh, I think you said 45, 50. 45, 50. He's got 22 goals. Pipe it down over there, right? In 36 games, we're almost halfway through the season. He's He's on about like a four. There's only one person on this podcast, Ovechkin's been piping down this season. I mean, he's the pace is fine in my eyes. If he's not going to reach it, this is the pace I kind of expected him to be on. 22 goals. We'll see. I want to know his goal total when he's played 41 games. And then uh, we'll see where it goes from there. That I don't see him getting fifty, honestly. But um, at He's least on fifty on the dot. I know, and I don't see him getting fifty. I think that pace is going to obviously come down a little bit. It it's hard to keep the pace. Yeah, might, I mean, might. yeah, if he gets forty-five, like you said, okay, forty-five is reasonable. Fifty-five, no way. I thought you said fifty-five. No, um, no, no. If he gets to forty-five, though, he'll only need two more thirties. Boom, bueno. We'll see. We'll see. Like I said uh, a few minutes ago, this is a backstromless team, but you know who's been stepping up on this Washington Capitals team? Ex-Blackhawk Dylan Strom. He hasn't been putting the puck in the net, but he's been getting a lot of assists to go with his points. He's got a total of 25 points. 19 of those are assists. He's really, really found a great role here in Washington. And um, interestingly enough, Alex Ovechkin and Connor Sheary are the only Capitals on this team with 10 or more goals. So 
a lot of the production is most of the production is coming from Ovechkin, but a lot of the production on this team is this team loves to like share the glory and are kicking it in with their assist. Like I said, Dylan Strom, I think he's like the third highest point player on the team with 19 assists. So a lot of the talent on this team is divided by assist where most of the goals are to counter Shiri and Ovechkin, but obviously Ovechkin's hoarding all the goals right now. But um, very interesting, the success that this team has had thus far, because I did not expect them to be at Christmas break, seventh in the National Hockey League. No, and I, I fully expected Ovechkin to be doing this, but I didn't expect the Capitals to be taking this much, much advantage of it. And the fact that they only have one other guy in double digits for goals kind of speaks to their depth. I would say they got a lot of young people contributing, like a couple goals here, a couple goals there. Um, Evgeny Kuznetsov could take it to another level. They're going to be without John Carlson for a little bit here. I, I'm hoping that that doesn't slump them at all. But there are nine teams in the Eastern Conference that have a chance at the playoffs at this point. You know, someone could you know get hot and go on a streak. But as of right now, it's looking like um, the the top nine, one of them will be out. But we'll see what happens. Ovechkin, he's going to keep every single time he scores a goal. It's going to make headlines. And, you know, by the end of this year when he's around 830 or so, the hype for next year is going to be extremely high because once he's within 60, then it was then it'll be like, okay, any given year now he could do it. I don't think he's going to score 60 again. But, like, even when he gets within 50, then it's like, okay, it could come at any time now. So I – We have a I, question from Dennis, by the way, that I want to touch on. What is it? He says, have you heard of this crazy talent from Russia called Yuri Nader? Apparently he might be eligible for the draft next season. Frank, I have not. Say Yuri Nader fast. Is it a joke? Yeah, it's a joke. This guy's a clown. I don't know what that is. Urinator. Oh, uh, well, yeah. funny, hilarious. Um, Frank, the Battle of Alberta was last night, and you know me, I love the Battle of Alberta and Calgary, Edmonton. Always, always, always outstanding matchups. Um, do you catch any of it? They're the two teams. They're the I two did. teams hovering at the bottom of the wild card standings. Like I think Edmonton is in the top spot. Calgary's right behind. I hope both of them make it. But right now it's thinking like only one is going to make it. Like what's going on with these two teams? Where are you on the Battle of Alberta right now? Well, I know you're very high on the Battle of Alberta. It was a great game yesterday. Two to one Edmonton game dominated by the Calgary Flames, at least by the shots on goal. I didn't get to watch the game from start to finish, but I did keep up with it. Um, McDavid managed to extend his point streak in that game to 16 in a row. Um, like I said, Flames outshot the Oilers 47-22. That was a big, big dominant performance by the Flames. But the Oilers came out um, victorious. And let's give a shout-out to Stuart Skinner. He has been pretty decent. I won't say excellent. He's 10-9-1, but he's got a 290 goals against and a 911 save percentage. And that's kept Edmonton in a playoff spot so far this season. So... I know he got that uh, contract extension um, that he signed earlier. I'm pretty sure. Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't he get a contract extension this year? Mm -hmm. Yep. Three years, maybe. I don't yep. remember the details. Like but, uh, yeah. 
something like that, three years. I mean, he's been okay. Are they going to win the cup with this guy? I don't know. I can't say they're not, and I can't say they will um, because it's hard to win the cup. And when you, you don't got that named goalie, you got to make a name for yourself, and that's what he's trying to do right now. Um, but the Battle of Alberta lived up to the hype. It was a very defensive game, and we, we still got a little bit of McDavid and other players, even if they weren't on the score sheet. But, yeah, it was a great game to watch. Absolutely. I love the Battle of Alberta. It's my favorite rivalry in the NHL right now. I, I would like to see it get back to where it was that COVID season when they were just fighting so much and you got these guys fighting that guy and McDavid and Goudreau were going at it with their you know, amazing plays. Obviously, Goudreau's not there anymore, but the Battle of Alberta has a chance to be intense, and last night's game was an example of it. McDavid made the play. That got Edmonton the win. 16-game yeah. point streak. It's honestly surprising to me because over the last couple of years, we've seen like Mitch Marner, Patrick Kane, Taylor Hall, all these guys go on these crazy point streaks. How has McDavid just never rattled off 20 in a row? It's like, tough. I know it's tough, but like McDavid, he ends every year with 115-plus points, and it's like, you know, he'll, he'll, have, he'll have 50 points in a 40-game stretch, but how were 20 of them never in a row? Like, I just, it's always wild to me. It is wild to think, but you know what he does too? He could have like a five point night, and then the next night he could have a four point night, and then he might miss one game or two games, right? And yeah. then he'll rattle off five in a row and have some big point games in between there. He's more like, he comes in bunches, I feel like. Like when McDavid scores, his points come in bunches. And I, I wonder think that's why. You're, yeah, you're absolutely right. No, you're absolutely right. It is, like you said, it's just a little weird to think about. Like, it is he's weird. been so good. I want your opinion on something, your reaction to my opinion, too. The other day, John Scott went on, I forget, it was either his podcast or something, and he said that there are about five guys he would take over McDavid for the playoffs. And I legit and listen, I love John Scott. I was rooting for the Pacific Division over the Metropolitan when he made it to the All-Star game. Like I loved John Scott. Um, I love he was a meme. Everything about John Scott was fun. I think this is one of the most ridiculous, brutal, stupid takes I've ever heard in my entire life. Let me tell you something. Uh-oh. Everybody says defense, 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 defense wins championships, blah, 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 blah. Connor McDavid was over two points per game in the postseason last year. He was eliminated in the third round, and you can still argue that he deserved to win the Conn Smythe Trophy, okay, with how good he was in the postseason last year. Yes, he lost to the Colorado Avalanche. Why? Because Colorado has five guys on their team at that point in time, McKinnon, Kadri, Landeskog, and Rantanen, all maybe not quite as good as McDavid as offense, but pretty damn close. 100 points here, 100 points there for each of them. There's probably close to 350 points between those four players, okay? Oh, and yeah. they also have the best offensive defenseman in the NHL named Kale McCarr. Oh, League average goaltending. Kemper was average last year. He was good, capable of winning a Stanley Cup with Darcy Kemper. We're seeing that with Washington. 
but he was still an average goaltender, 908 save percentage. You know, he was just fine. He, he wasn't just Durkin or Vasilevsky or anything like that, though. The reason the Avalanche beat them was because they were a better team, not because McDavid isn't good in the playoffs. That's the stupid, most uh, asinine thing I've ever heard anybody say. Because if you took Nathan McKinnon off the Avalanche and replaced him with Connor McDavid, they might have two cups by now. Dumb. Do you agree? Um, I do. Uh, I do agree with you. I kind of get what people are saying, though, right? Like, it's great to have all this talent on the Edmonton Oilers. It's great to have McDavid. It's great to have Dreisaitl. It's great that you got guys that could just score 100 points at will. But if you don't win the Cup, what good is it? Am I going to be a happy Edmonton Oilers fan? Like, oh, yeah, I got to watch McDavid for 15 years, but we never won the Cup. I mean, I'd rather be a fan of another team who had success that won the cup, even if we didn't have that crazy talent on the team. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I agree with you. I'm not saying the Oilers are built well. They're kind of built very poor. They're not built well. <laughs> but if you were to make a playoff team from scratch, you would take McDavid first Absolutely. overall. Absolutely. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying, you know, okay, we both agree Edmonton's built kind of poorly. We both had them losing to the Kings, and we both had them losing to Calgary in the postseason last year. I'll find the clips if you want me to, because I know for oh, a fact some of the things we agreed on were that Calgary was going to beat Edmonton in round two, and we both thought the Kings were going to beat Edmonton in round one. McDavid was so good that they made it to the conference finals. Asinine comment. They weren't able to beat the Avalanche. I think if they did somehow figure out a way to beat the Avalanche, they could have beaten the Lightning. I do believe that. But do you agree that it, it to an extent he is right? Like, to win the championship, you need defense. You could progress a few rounds by having that elite offense. But then when it comes to the Cup and you got Vasilevsky playing out of his gourd, then it's like, well, yeah, you're going to win the Cup. The Lightning are going to win. They have great defense, right? It's Who are the last two Stanley Cup champions? The Lightning and the Avalanche. You're telling me those two teams are built on defense? I wouldn't say they're built on defense, but when it comes to defense, at least for the Tampa Bay Lightning, they got a really good defense and goaltending core. And Okay, I understand that, but is there a forward that you'd rather have maybe a little bit better defense and give up McDavid? Like Crosby maybe six years ago? Because Crosby's magnificent defensively? But, like, you wouldn't take Crosby over McDavid. And Crosby's one of the GOATs. In 2022, no one would take Crosby over McDavid. I wouldn't take Matthews in the playoffs. Matthews' playoff numbers were awesome last year, but I wouldn't take him over McDavid. McKinnon's numbers were awesome in the playoffs last year. Wouldn't take him over McDavid. Kucherov, Patrick Kane, Jack Hughes, all these guys who are up and coming, like, are, are just stars in the NHL, you're not taking any of them in the playoffs over McDavid. Just my no, I, no, yeah, I, I agree. I kind of agree with you and Scott. Yeah, we we both agree with Scott when it comes to like a team. We would rather have the team more capable of winning the cup. Yeah. Before the Devils developed Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer, they brought in Dougie Hamilton and are trying to get good goaltending and 
they traded for Marino and traded for Graves, these defensive-minded guys. I think think you need more than a McDavid to win the Cup. Without question. Right. But if we are drafting a playoff team from scratch, McDavid would go overall. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree with both of you guys to an extent. Well, John Scott says there's five guys he'd rather have in the playoffs than McDavid, which is just stupid. Yeah, that's just dumb. So – Glad we agree on that, Frank. You know what else we agree on? I think I that the know. Winter Classic is awesome. <laughs> we will find out in period number two. Welcome to period two, Frank, where Major League Baseball meets the National Hockey League. We are getting you set for the 2023 NHL Winter Classic. It will take place in Boston, Massachusetts, at historical Fenway Park, the home of the Boston Red Sox. It will take place between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Boston Bruins. Frank, you excited? Uh, I always look forward to the Winter Classic. I'm excited. It should be good. I hate the Penguins jersey so bad. Really? Oh. They're so ugly. Oh, Pat McAfee was wearing it during his show, oh. and I, I've liked it. You like the logo? Like the no, idea behind I don't it? like the P. No, I don't. I, they're kind of going off the Pittsburgh Pirates. I know. It's like a poor man's effort at a Pittsburgh Pirates logo. It is terrible. It is ugly. It is no. Do you agree that they might look better when we watch the game? No. <laughs> no. All right. Frankie's out on Pittsburgh's jerseys. I don't hate them. I do think they're going to look amazing on the ice opposite of the Bruins. So we'll have to wait. Maybe I'll change my mind, but as of right now, I don't think. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Frank, the Bruins up to this point, we touched on them when we talked about the best team in the NHL. They're as good as they are at home. They're as good as they are on the road, frankly. Um, They've been one of the best teams in the NHL. Talk about them up to this point some more. I mean, yeah, they've been fantastic. The the guys on this team have been clicking. You have a bunch of guys who come into this team on one-year contracts, and we don't know how things are going to progress. And a lot of people – I predicted the Bruins to be good this year. Next year, I don't have them being that good. But that's a story for a different day. But this year, I don't know if I was in the minority here, but I, I had them doing pretty well. Not this well. But I had the Bruins being a playoff team. I had them being good. They've been great. Pasternak's been fantastic. Um, Bergeron's been fantastic. Swayman and Allmark have been fantastic. They've been a great uh, tandem um, to, to just watch right now. And, you know, they're coming into the Winter Classic as a very good outdoor team. They are 3-1 and one in outdoor games, 2-1 and one in Winter Classics. Um, their only loss in the Winter Classic is when the Canadians whomped them 5-1 to one at Gillette Stadium in 2016. Um, but other than that, this is a team that plays well outdoors from what we've seen so far in four career outdoor games. Um, and when you have this good of a team mixing well with how good of an outdoor team they have been thus far in their franchise in a small sample size. Good things may happen for the Bruins. Now, this is statistically a home game for the Boston Bruins. Obviously, they're not at TD Garden, 
So if they lose, it will go against their home record. They will have that blemish um, if they lost in regulation. But I think this is a very good team, and I expect to see um, expect to see them big things happen. That's all I'll say for now. Penguins up to this point, they've been. We both had them. I don't know how you had them before the season. I had them being like a bubble team again, probably making it. Um, similar to how I had the Bruins, but the Bruins have been better than the Penguins. They've just been the model of consistency. They have the longest active playoff streak in the NHL. I am a believer that it is going to continue this season. Um, they got well, they started off incredibly hot, then they won a little bit of a cold patch. Now they're just a consistently good team from about the start of December on, and they're in a playoff spot. They have great players, they have championship pedigree. They played in these outdoor games. They actually played in the very first ever winter classic against the Buffalo Sabres 15 years ago. And it's really a fun team. This is a great matchup. I'm excited about the Penguins. What do you got on them up to this point? Up to this point in this season, they've been playing a lot better than how they started out. They started out pretty poorly, and we touched on that, and it kind of was like, okay, you got these core players on your team and you're not performing. There was rumors of them getting traded during the offseason, Malkin and whatnot, and and I haven't been performing well to start the season, but they've really kicked it into gear as of late. Their last 10 games are 7-2-1. and one. Um, And then they hold the first wild card spot right now only by one point, but they have a two-game cushion over the Islanders, which is good for them. They got a little bit of a cushion. Now, when you take a look at their record outdoor in outdoor games, they've played five outdoor games or 2-2-1. Two, two and one. They're 1-1 one and one in Winter Classics. You mentioned they played the first ever Winter Classic in 2008 against the Buffalo Sabres when Sidney Crosby won it in a shootout to give them uh, that victory. Then they lost 3-1 to one to the Capitals in 2011 in that Winter Classic. But um, I like that the Pittsburgh Penguins are coming into this game hot and you're going against the Boston Bruins team who has been absolutely one of the best teams in the NHL so far. So it's like both teams come into this game on a good stretch. So I expect to see a very competitive game between these two sides. I couldn't agree more. I think you nailed it right on the head. The Penguins are good. The Bruins are good. It's going to be an interesting game. They've had playoff rivalries in recent years. Um, It's been a minute since they've played each other in the playoffs, but man, there was a time where these were the two best teams in the Eastern Conference, and I'm excited to see them take it outside. Fenway Park is so historical. There has been a Winter Classic there before. Um, the Bruins played the Philadelphia Flyers, who now they're going to the other side of Pennsylvania. They're taking it to the west side of Pennsylvania, and it should be a lot of fun to watch. Both teams, though, have an incredible amount of premier players. And I think that's obviously a key to being one of the top teams in the NHL. Frank, for the Pittsburgh Penguins, it is Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Jake Gensel leading the way. And then, of course, the Bruins kind of have a big four with David Pasternak, Patrice Bergeron, Charlie McAvoy, and Brad Marchand. Who of the two teams has a better set of premier players? And do you think these guys are going to be needed to make the biggest impact in this game? I think right now the core four that you named for the Boston Bruins are better right now. If we were talking about back in the day, I'd go with Crosby, Malkin, Gensel. But um, this game being in Boston, obviously either of the seven players you name could turn the tide for their team. If Crosby has a great game and Malkin has a great game and the Penguins end up winning, I'm not stunned. If Pasta and McAvoy you know, have a – three to four point night, something ridiculous and sway the game in the Bruins favor. I'm not going to be surprised. 
And that's what Premier Player does. These are the players you want to watch on the ice. And that's what I love about this matchup is because you have so many of these Premier Players in this matchup. Perfect conditions for this game. It's supposed to be a high of 49, low of 37 of the day, and sunny. We're not going to have bad weather. You're not going to get the snow that people hope for in the Winter Classic, but that's going to make the conditions even better. It's going to be that throwback to a nice classic outdoor game. And given there being no big elements to worry about, I think these premier players are going to shine, and we're in for a treat, truly. We sure are. Um, I think I would put Pasternak, Marshawn, Bergeron, and McAvoy against any big four in the NHL. They, it might be a tie with some teams, obviously. We're hoping the Devils get to that kind of level over the next couple of years. But, like, I truly think they're one of the best. Um, what makes the Bruins so good compared to the Penguins? The Bruins have way better depth. Taylor Hall would be a top two player on most teams in the NHL. Uh, Jake DeBrusk is on a three-game goal streak. Hopefully that ends tonight against the Devils. Um, it's also one of those things, Hampus Lindholm. He would be a number one on a lot of teams in the NHL, and he's going to be a top 10 Norris guy this year maybe. And McAvoy will be just top five. Like, it's just this team is so good. So that's my thoughts on the big players for both teams. Obviously, I'm a Sidney Crosby guy. Uh, I've loved Evgeny Malkin as well for as long as I can remember watching hockey. So these two goons are have been so incredible for so long, and I'm so excited to see them play. And what is – I don't know if it will be their last outdoor game, but I'm going to enjoy it as if it is just in case. Yeah, I mean, that goal, you mentioned Jake DeBrus that he scored last night. I watched it on, like, replay. Like, the video just kept playing, or I just kept watching it. It was absolutely insane because it was so, like, crazy that it went into the net. So if, if you're watching this show and you don't know what I'm talking about, go search it up and watch that goal because it was simply, like, almost like an NHL goal like a video game type goal because it's I I just can't believe the puck went in the net that he was able to tap it back in off the boards. Yeah, that was an absolutely wild goal. Yeah, just really cool to see against the Ottawa Senators. Um, Frank, what's your all-time favorite winter classic and your all-time favorite winter classic moment? Ooh. See – the Blackhawks hold the record for the most outdoor games with six, and they're one in five in those six games. So there's not – I think they played in two winter classics. Three. And four. Four. Four winter classics? Against I thought four Detroit, stadiums. Against Detroit at Wrigley. Oh, no, three, I thought. Because they played the Bruins, right? Detroit at Wrigley. The Blues at – um. That's right. I forgot at about the Blues. Cardinal Stadium, the Washington right. Capitals at the National Stadium, and the Boston Bruins at Notre Dame. That's right. I and forgot. They have the, the stadium series, the stadium series against the Wild, the stadium series against the Penguins. That's it. Six games. Yeah. I know they've only played six outdoor games. That's the record. The only one they won, I was at. At Soldiers Field against the Pittsburgh Penguins, oddly enough. Yep. The heyday of Sidney Crosby and Jonathan Perry. Yeah. 
I think my favorite one. What's my favorite Winter Classic? Obviously, it was one of the ones with the Hawks because I I loved when they the Hawks were in the Winter Classic. And I got to watch the outdoor game. They had no success in them, but maybe the game against the Winter Classic against the 2015 against the Washington Capitals. Troy Brower ultimately netted that goal. Yep, and it it hurt. It hurt bad. Ex Blackhawk, obviously. But it was a good game overall, and then that's the year that they go on to win the cup. So it was just like good feelings all around. I mean, it was just – I actually watched highlights from that game, just seeing that team out there, Brandon Saad, Corey Crawford, Taves Kane, just in that Blackhawks uniform. That, that was like one of their last best years as a team. So getting to watch that team in a winter classic, it was, it was special for me. And obviously for most people – that's not going to be up there as one of their best or favorite winter classics. But for me, it is. But one of my favorite moments in a winter classic happened against Detroit in 2009. You might remember this very well, Vin. Seabrook hit Dan Cleary into the Blackhawks bench and Wrigley Field erupted. And this was like the Blackhawks are up and coming. 2009, haven't won a cup in 48 years at that time. And then... That, that's basically like a statement. Like, we're showing you, this young team, we're here to play. Sure as shit, the next year they go on to win the cup. The cup, But that was like, we're here to play. We're this up-and-coming team in the second-ever Winter Classic. We're going to show you what we're made of. And that made a big statement to like to show them that this Blackhawks team is here. So, that, so that's one of my favorite moments. Obviously, I'll give an honorable mention to Sidney Crosby winning it, the first-ever um Winter Classic in a shootout because, like, okay, the first ever Winter Classic goes to a shootout and Sidney Crosby, of all people, wins the game. That was a great moment. Um, so I'll give an honorable mention there, too. Yeah, and, like, Jack Hughes has been in the NHL longer now than Sidney Crosby was at that time. He was still, like, very new to the hockey fan base. He was still the – they still call him Sid the Kid. He'll be Sid the Kid when he's 40. But he was like legitimately Sid the kid, twenty one years old, you know, at that point in time when he did that. So it's definitely one of the top moments. Uh, I have two answers. My favorite, with a little bias attached to it, I was at the game when the Boston Bruins defeated the Chicago Blackhawks at the University of Notre Dame. I still stand by. That's probably my favorite sporting event that I've ever been to, just because it honestly felt like I got in a time machine and went back to nineteen thirty. And I watched the Chicago Blackhawks play the Boston Bruins when they were the only two teams in the NHL. And they were playing at Notre Dame. Touchdown Jesus became puck line Jesus for one day. Um, You know, all the Catholics at Notre Dame were just going absolutely bananas at the bars before and after the game. It was so much fun to watch. I loved every minute of it. That is by far my favorite sporting event or one of my favorite sporting events I've ever been to. Like when I think of my all time favorite sporting events I've been to, it's that winter classic, the sec championship game. Um, I was at a couple Blackhawk playoff games, the white Sox blackout last year. Those are some of the top things I've been to. So it's obviously going to be high up on my winter classic ranking. My non bias, just watching on TV Favorite Winter Classic, you might remember when the game against between the Detroit Red Wings and the Toronto Maple Leafs got canceled. 
because of the lockout in the 2012-13 season. And then when they came back for the short season in 2013, January 1st had come and gone. They pushed it back to 2014, and the Maple Leafs went on the road and played against the Detroit Red Wings. And those of you who know anything about geography, Detroit and Toronto aren't all that far from each other, even though they have a a national border in between them. And so it was literally 50% wings and 50% Leafs in terms of the fans. It was a sea of both red and blue. Um, It was in the snow. It was one of the snowiest winter classic games. And it went to a shootout. Pavel Datsuk found a way to keep the puck on his string, even though it was snowing and disgusting. And... Um, what's his name? Bozak scored a goal for the Maple Leafs in the shootout. And then, you know, the goalies, I believe the goalies were Howard. Howard and Mrazek might have played. I don't remember which one of those two. They were both on the team. I don't remember which one started. You remember Jimmy Howard? Of course. And then it was Bernier in goal for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So it was a really good goaltending matchup. And, yeah, it was just a I really good I remember correctly. Good I really liked their jerseys, too. Yes, both teams had incredible jerseys. Detroit had like the old school Tigers looking D. Yeah. And then the Leafs had just they an had old that throwback uh, Leaf, didn't they? Like yes. that retro Leaf. It was really cool. Yes. And it was when the Leafs still had their, their, it was like the basic Leaf jersey. I'm trying to think. Like Matthews never wore it. Like the one they wear now is still relatively new. And which the one they wear now is my favorite Leafs jersey ever. Um, but yeah, I loved it. Um, my favorite winter classic moment, it's probably, listen, I don't like the New York Rangers. They're my least favorite team in the NHL, but I loved Henrik Lundqvist and he made a save on Daniel Carcillo when the Flyers played against the Rangers at, I believe it was at the Philly stadium and Hank made a save and Doc screaming, save Lundqvist. It might was a penalty shot, maybe. It Not was a shootout goal. It was, it was a, penalty a penalty shot. shot. That's one of my all-time favorite winter classic moments, even though I was vehemently I remember that. No, I wasn't vehemently rooting for the Very fly. well. Yeah, it was a, yeah, I figured you would. I don't think it I was, was a penalty hard. shot. Yeah. Which fly. I don't know how many penalty shots have been in the winter classic. No, that might be the only one. Uh Flyers Rangers is like my the two devil's biggest rivals playing against each other. Like I wasn't rooting for one specific team, but that save Lundqvist made on, I believe, I'm pretty sure. I, now I'm drawing a blank. Was it Carcillo or was it Danny Briere? It was one of the two I short. Think it was kings. Briere. It was one of the two short kings. On now that the, you say that, it was Briere. Yeah, I think I'm it was Danny Briere. Yeah, I'm and Lundqvist made the save. And the now they're ringing a bell even more. Yeah, and after that game, I remember they announced. It might have been when the Bruins played the Flyers, actually, though. They announced Team USA's Olympic roster. And, like, even though I knew Zach Parisi was going to make it, I was, like, so happy when they announced it. And then he ended up being Team USA's best forward in that tournament. But, um, yeah, those were some good times. I love the Winter Classic. I literally can't wait for the second. Like, I cannot wait. It'll happen. Yeah. A week from yesterday? No, a week from two days ago. So we're less than a week till the Winter Classic. So much looking forward to it. So, Frank, I wrote this down. I asked you already, though. You still enjoy it, the Winter Classic? It still has all the same feelings for you? I do. 
obviously we've been doing this now for 14 years, the Winter Classic. Um, and it's almost, you should never take anything in life for granted. But it's like you almost take it for granted every year. Like, oh, there'll be another one next year. There'll be another one next year. But you just never know when the last one would be, right? You assume they'll do it forever, but you just never know. Don't like to take things for granted, but I do like it because when you're growing up as a hockey fan, some of your greatest hockey moments come outdoors. Like when you're when you're just a small child playing outside, you're learning hockey, you learn how to play outdoors. I have a vivid memory of me and my siblings getting together and we played on the driveway with recycling bins when it was snowing and hockey sticks. Like this is a throwback to learning to play hockey outdoors or playing on a pond. Or as like Doc used to say, and you're playing in overtime of a winter classic and it's like, oh, dinner's ready, but it's just, all right, Ma, one more, just one more goal, next goal wins before we come back home for dinner. And you're, you're just playing that outdoor game with your friends, pond hockey. That's what I love about the winter classic so much is it's a throwback to back in the day when kids just learning to play hockey and learning what hockey is all about, that all happens outdoors. Not many people just get to grow up and be like, all right, I'm going to join a league and you learn how to play hockey inside. Cause you know, some of the easiest and cheapest ways to do is put your skates on, go down the street to the pond and skate around. And, and that's what a lot of people did growing up. And I think this is a great way to dedicate and throw back to that era of hockey. And that's why I love it. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And we ha we've had two Winter Classics canceled since this whole thing started. We had the one between the Red Wings and the Maple Leafs canceled because of the lockout in the 12-13 season. And then, of course, COVID-19 wiped out the one between the St. Louis Blues and the Minnesota Wild in 2021. So we just did it last year instead, the 2022 Winter Classics. So both times the teams got it made up for them. But you know, I, I don't take it for granted. Every time I, the, I have the opportunity to watch the Winter Classic, I'm excited to do so. So it should be a lot of fun. I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, Slovakia just took a one nothing lead on Team USA. Wow. Um, what is really? your prediction for the 2023 Winter Classic? I was going back and forth with a few different scores in my mind. But then I said this game – I think the way these teams are playing right now, it's going to be a lot closer, grittier. I don't think it's going to be extremely high scoring because you don't have, you know, you don't have the elements to battle in this game. You're not going to have snow. It's going to be perfect weather. But I think because of it being perfect weather, the goalies will have chances to shine as well. I think the Bruins prevail three to two in this game. Very interesting. Both teams play the New Jersey Devils between now and the game. Interesting. So hopefully they both take What's an L prediction? between now and then. Yeah, my prediction, I am not going to go against the grain. I could absolutely see the Penguins winning. But I'm going to pick the Boston Bruins to win the game 5-4. to four. See, I was thinking on the, the higher end side too. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if the goalies go off, but this just feels like – this feels like the Pasternak Crosby show. It really, really does for me. So that's what I, I, I predictions are correct. I, I hope mine is correct. Not because I want to be right compared to you. That's been going on a lot this season. Um, <laughs> I just want gold. I mean, wouldn't you rather see like a bunch of gold? 
sometimes in some situations, but sometimes I think low scoring defensive games are very interesting as well, because it's like whoever breaks the ice may win this game. Next goal may win. Yeah. I love that feeling too. Cause then it's like the whole game feels like an overtime almost. I agree. I love a two, one game. Oh, so love one game. They're awesome. Like that battle of Alberta game last night. I wasn't mad that McDavid only had one goal, right? Like, that I'm not repulsed by it, but I'm also not against seven goals either. I think there's room for both types of hockey on the entertainment pizza. So it depends on the game too. Yes. Do you remember Seattle and the Kings when it was like nine eight Seattle? Yeah. That, I was pissed off. I was getting pissed annoying. off. Yeah. That that I don't love. That's yeah, it was just annoying. Off. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Maybe there's a level of excitement to the teams too. The Kings and the Seattle Kraken are both good, but neither of them are like loaded with their superstars at their highest level yet. I think if the Bruins and the Penguins played an eight-seven game, it'd be awesome. Yeah, it depends on the team, the situation, but yeah, that it, I don't know. Absolutely, but at the end of the day, Frank and I are both extremely excited for the Winter Classic. Um, are we watching it together? <laughs> I don't know. That's not my decision. I would like to. Team USA just tied it. Team Let's USA. Go. I'm not worried about them. Who Team scored? Is it a defenseman? No, a defenseman made the play. I, I, I don't. I don't know numbers yet. I don't got numbers to names. This defense from Team USA. I said it last week before the World Juniors uh, started. They're very good offensively. They're going to chip in more often than not. And they just proved my point once again. With another, yeah, one. they'll probably. Oh, Gautier, put it on net. And Otter? who's the guy you like? Uh, Snugrud. No, it wasn't him. I, I, Cutter, I don't. Cutter Gautier scored, right? He, he didn't score, he put it on net, but it all started with Luke Hughes and whoever Luke Hughes's partner is dancing around the top of the zone, and then neither of the defensemen are going to get an assist, but they got the play going by moving the Slovakia players by passing it back and forth, and they sent it in deep, and the forwards went to work. That's what that's what this Team USA team needs to do in order to win. I'm telling you, their defense is crucial. I love the yeah. way their defense is built. They're reviewing it for goaltender interference. Um, But, yeah, Luke Hughes got the, the party started there, but he's not going to get an assist on it. So hopefully they're able to win this game. Go USA. Um, Frank, that's the winter classic. Let's talk about some things that I consider to be fun. Oh, really quick before we get out of this period, college football playoff Saturday night. I'm going to miss most of it. I have a wedding, but I will be, I will be fully in tune during the day though. Michigan is Michigan playing Georgia or is Georgia playing TCU? Georgia's playing Ohio State. Or Ohio State. That's right. Michigan's playing TCU. Michigan's playing TCU. What are your predictions? I'm going to go with Michigan and Georgia. But if there's a team to take down Georgia, it's Ohio State. I agree. I just don't think they will. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Michigan, Ohio, Michigan, Georgia for a rematch of last year's national. Or no. When did Michigan make the national championship game? The goal is counts. It's good. The game is tied at one. 
Was it Georgia Alabama last year? Yeah, it was Georgia Alabama last yep, year. Yep, we watched it together. Hopefully, yeah. we get to watch this year's together. I mean, it's a Monday night, so I would like to. Um, we'll just make that a tradition, maybe. I I would like to though. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be busy for it, so we'll we'll keep that in mind though. Um, Frank, let's go over some fun moments from 2022 and preview 2023 in period number three. Welcome to period three, where Frankie and I are going to recap what an awesome year 2022 was. It was one of the very best years of my entire life. Um, I truly enjoyed every moment of this year. You know, we've had success with our relationships and with our families. And we had a sick trip to Door County together, you and I. Uh, you flawlessly executed the bags tournament once again. Um, and we're going to try and redo it all again in 2023. And I can't express enough how thankful I am to have you in my life. And I'm saying it publicly, but I'm truly speaking it to you. And man, 2022 was just so awesome. Yeah, I agree. Let's make 2023 even better. Um, let's hope the bags tournament becomes even better. I'd love to see it grow. I'm grateful to have you in my life and having this show with you. It's been a lot of fun. But yeah, 2022 is going to be in the rear view, but let's make 2023 even better. Absolutely. Frank, let's do it from a sports point of view first. Okay. What are your top three moments of the calendar year 2022? Now, when I say calendar year, Yep. It's things that happened in 2022. So the NFL, if we're talking NFL, it's the playoffs of last year, plus anything that's happened yep. up to this point. So what are your top three moments from the National Football League in the calendar year of 2023? Or 2022, excuse me. So we're going to start NFL, right? Yep. All right. Well, one of the craziest moments that I remember very well happened early on in the year, and that's when – the Bengals defeated the Raiders to get their first playoff win in 31 years since text messaging was invented. That game was absolutely insane. I remember watching it vividly. I thought, wait a sec, are the Raiders? The Raiders have a chance here. They're only down at one score. But no, the Bengals and Joe Burrow hung on. That was a crazy moment this year, and I remember it vividly. Another moment that happened relatively recent is when we got to see the Bills defeat the Chiefs in 24 to 20 in a playoff rematch this year. That game was outstanding. Um, very, very interesting game. I loved it, especially because how much I wanted the Bills to win. Very involved in that game. That's a rivalry for the ages. The new and upcoming Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes rivalry that's going to be all around for a while. And uh, uh, Pat, oh my God, Josh Allen took round number two. I can't wait. We might see round three in the playoffs this year, so be prepared for that. But that anytime those teams get together, it makes for a memorable moment. And my third favorite moment happened very recently. The Vikings became the first NFL team to overcome that 33-point deficit, something nobody in the National Football League has ever done before. I felt like it was only right adding that to this list. I was going nuts I because I just couldn't believe it. It was just something I just couldn't fathom that a team was up 33 points and lost the game. 
it just that that rounds out like one of the craziest moments that happened this year. One of the most memorable moments I'll take away from the National Football League this year. Until you mention something, I'll be like, "Oh yeah, I forgot that happened." And uh, so I'll let you do that right now. Um, my number three, Team USA has just taken the lead on the power play. I don't know if it's going to count as a power play of the goal, though it was expiring. Um, so we'll see how that all works out. Um, but yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, my f- three favorite moments from the NFL. Number three is it ties into the Bengals because I love Joe Burrow so much. It is when they advance to the Super Bowl, the Cincinnati Bengals. They defeated the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. That was one of those games. I knew for a fact I was going to root for whoever won that game to win the Super Bowl, even though I had a feeling the Rams were going to win because Matthew Stafford was he, – he deserved it. He deserved to finally show people that Detroit was the problem and not him, and he did. Credit to him. He did. He will go to the Hall of Fame. He was an outstanding quarterback in his career. But I was I was really excited to see Joe Bengal in the Burrow and I said Joe Bengal <laughs> Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I'm so stupid to go on to the Super Bowl as the AFC uh, champions. I believe they have a chance to do the exact same thing again come this playoff. We'll see. Um, but yeah, seeing him in his first full season because he got injured in his rookie year, able to go do something like that. That comes in as my number three moment. My number two moment. Oh, I didn't do it 3-2-1. I probably should have. Oh, it doesn't matter, though. Um, was definitely last year. It's the same matchup you mentioned, the Buffalo Bills versus the Kansas City Chiefs, but every single team, or both teams, scored, I'm pretty sure, on all their drives, or at all their drives, but one, something like that, and it just came down to who had the ball last. It was one of the best playoff games I've ever watched, the Bills and the Chiefs, from last year. And that is just the sweetest moment I can recall with this rivalry so far. And they did have the rematch this year. Von Miller made an outstanding play to give the Bills the win against the Chiefs this year. Um, There's no going to be no Von Miller if they meet in the playoffs, but I do think it's going to be an incredibly close matchup again. It's probably the best rivalry going in the NFL right now, but insert the Bengals into the mix. Those are the three teams in the AFC now. So there was a point where it was the – the Colts, the Patriots, and the Broncos. Now it's the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Bengals, and I'm excited for it for a long time. I do believe the Jaguars will be joining the party pretty soon as Trevor Lawrence continues to progress, but that'll be something hopefully on my 2023 recap at this point next year. But my number one moment in the NFL in 2023, I'm sorry that nothing in the regular season this year was able to outduel what I saw in playoff games last year, but It was a game between the San Francisco 49ers and the Green Bay Packers. At Lambeau Field, the 49ers, who have had a significantly better roster than Green Bay for the last three seasons, but two seasons ago they were way too injured. Um, Last year they proved it. This year they've proved it. They put out our guy, our guy, Chicago, Robbie Gold, to hit a game-winning field goal and send Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers home. That is my favorite football moment of the 2022 calendar year. Very interesting. I was not expecting that. Keeping us all on our feet. Keeping us all on our feet. On our toes, I guess. We will do the same exercise. 
but this time we will talk about Major League Baseball. Okay. So I I don't really I didn't have a three two one order. I was just going kind of like my top three Mount Rushmore. Yeah, you don't have to. Um, I want to go on the record and say the first thing I have is because me and you followed it so much and created so many memories from it is Albert Pujols joining the 700 home run club. That was our, our summer, or at least the second half of it, the second half of the MLB season. We were so involved. Anytime he hit a home run that we would text each other. And then when it finally happened, you sent the text. It was just, it puts a smile on my face. With Ovechkin too. That's the funny thing. It just puts a genuine (laughs) smile on my face because we had so many good memories with it. When we were at Katie's party, we were watching games, seeing if he hit one. I mean, we were just always on top of it. So I thought that was he just hit two. He hit two when I wasn't watching when I went to the <laughs> rotation too. That was funny. I'm like, of course, I'm not home to watch, and this brother hits two. Two. Yeah. It's definitely up there. It, it, it was a big part of our summer this year. Second one, Aaron Judge hitting 62 home runs, taking the AL record. That was insane. Something we may never witness again. Something I'm definitely not taking for granted of ever seeing again. Because that was just absolutely unheard of. Every time when he was one away, it was like the Ovechkin chase. Everybody was like tuning in. They would break. They would have uh, college football on. And they would break into it. All right, is he going to do it? Is he going to break Roger Maris's home run record? And they would. Every his at bat, it's like they've said, screw the game. We're gonna focus on his at bat, which is like I can't believe they did that. But I guess when something is that big and legendary that's about to be broken, I understand why they did it, and it's definitely made for a memorable moment of 2022. But this is my favorite moment of 2022 by far. I think you know where I'm headed with this. It's on mine too. Cal Raleigh hitting a walk-off home run to send the Mariners to the playoffs and end the Mariners playoff drought. I will never forget that moment. I had a feeling they were going to be in, right? You had a feeling they were going to be in. They were going to win one more game, but the fashion that it happened, Cal Raleigh hitting a homer down the right field line, gets it out of the park to send the Mariners to the playoff. That was legendary. Absolutely my favorite MLB moment of this 2022 year. It was insane. Absolutely was insane. Um, I have one that is personal to me, which your list was phenomenal, by the way. We share one of them. One of them just missed. The Pujols one just missed for me. It would be number four. Um, if I did four, it would be on there. I do think of you when it comes to that. Um, <laughs> it was just so cool to see Pujols get hot. And as a platoon player, he yeah. was only hitting against certain yeah. type of pitchers. And he was able to get it done. He's not going to come back next year. But, man, just one of the all-time great um, home run legends I would say in our game of baseball that we love so much. Um, so that's an honorable mention. Uh, number three for me is a little bit personal just because I was at the game. The White Sox had a walk-off win against the New York Yankees 
And I was there. It was Nick Wayne's birthday. We were there celebrating his 27th birthday. And we had a big tailgate before the game. And the White Sox were losing. And they came back and walked off the New York Yankees. And I had never been to a walk-off game in my entire life. And, like, you can only see the White Sox win in walk-off fashion or the Cubs if you go to only those two. And, unfortunately, those are the only two stadiums I've been to. And I've never seen either team walk it off in all my years of going to games. So I finally got to experience that. That was one of my favorite baseball moments of this season. A little bit personal. Most people don't care about a random White Sox walk-off in May against the Yankees. But because I was there to experience it, it was really freaking cool. Number two is the one you mentioned when Cal Raleigh hit just an absolute freaking bomb. And let me tell you, this was a down year for catchers offensively across the board. Cal Raleigh was one of the exceptions, okay? He had probably statistically the best offensive season for a catcher of any team in Major League Baseball, or at least of any team in the American League this year. Um, and so, yeah, that was really cool. The Seattle Mariners ending their playoff drought. You did a better job of explaining it than me, and I'm excited to watch the M's next season. And I know they're going to be a big team for us to watch, you know, together. So I'm excited about that. Number one is where people start to learn how nerdy I really am. Um, My favorite moment, and I battled mentioning this at all, but I honestly think it's number one. During the All-Star game, they gave Nestor Cortez, New York Yankees pitcher, and um, IFK, no, not I. what's the Yankee catcher name? The oh, guy or Skinner. something. Um, it was yeah. the guy I just mentioned. He's got the last name. I'm drawing a blank on his name now. I should have just written it down knowing I was mentioning it. Is they it, gave yeah. both of them a microphone. And instead of talking, bullshitting around, they they used their microphones to discuss their cadence with each other. And if you love um, baseball, that is one of the nerdiest, most cool things you could possibly listen to. You could go back on YouTube and watch it if you have no clue what the H I'm talking about or if you just watch the All-Star game with your friends on mute like, or at a restaurant or something. They gave both of them, and they discussed what pitch was coming next, why, how they were going to go about it, the framing of it. Um, I am just over the moon about that moment. I go back and watch it every now and then. Um, it was just a super nerdy moment. Um, I highly recommend it. It was just really, really cool to see because like that's what goes on, except instead of talking to each other about it, they're using signs. So to hear them talk out what is going on between a pitcher and a catcher during a live baseball game was just so cool to me. I loved every second of it. Keep doing stuff like that, MLB, because it makes all-star games better. Come on, Eric. What's his name? It's like Kenner Fiala, Kenner. Yeah, yeah, Kenner, yeah. Isaiah Kenner. But is he the catcher? I don't know. He's not a catcher. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not him. I, he, I said him by mistake. The catcher is... Uh, Higashioka or something like that. Well, that's one of them, Higashioka. I don't remember which one had the Isaiah microphone. Kenner Falefa. Yeah. It's not Liner, Kenner. Isaiah yeah. Kenner Falefa. That's not yeah. him, though. He's not a catcher. Yeah, I didn't think so. 
Higashioka, and there's one more. It's I don't not. It used Don't to be Gary Sanchez. Yeah, Gary Sanchez was but on he's the, on the Twins. He's a free agent right now. Oh, uh, Team USA just hit the post. Man, I don't know. Yeah, either way, though, it was really freaking cool. Um, that's my number one moment from the Major League Baseball season. All right, Frank, the moment the hockey fans have all been waiting for. Your top three moments of the calendar year 2022 in the National Hockey League. All right. Well, I'm going to go out there and say it. It was a big moment for everybody. It might even be on your list, but it was Alex Ovechkin scoring his 800th goal. And the reason it's on my list is because, well, it came against the Blackhawks, and he did it in a hat trick fashion. Just kind of had the writing written on the walls, the way the Hawks have been playing this year. I'm like, oh, he's going to get a hat trick against the Hawks or his shit. Gets a hat trick. It just sometimes – there's poetry in sports, and I feel like this was one of those moments. Um, so that's There's definitely in podcasting too. <laughs> and uh, that's one of those moments, and it's it's on the list. Something else going back. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> going back to June was the Avalanche raising the cup. I was high on this Avalanche team. I tried to tell people that this is not an NHL team. This is a team that is. Uh, Unhuman, made of aliens. I, it's just simply fantastic what we saw from this Colorado Avalanche team. And it was special. I was rooting for them. Very rarely, it seems, the team that I'm rooting for to win the cup wins the cup. Very rarely, it seems that it works out that way. But it happened. So I'm putting that up there. I was very happy for Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr. Mika Rantanen, you name it. I was happy for this team as an overall whole. But my number one moment from the 2022 NHL calendar year was the NHL All-Star Game in Las Vegas. That is one of my favorite All-Star Games of all time. It was very unique. Players got to shoot out of the Bellagio Fountains. Not only that, but the skill competitions that were formed for Vegas. They had the 21, trying to get 21 by shooting the pucks at the card. That was fantastic. One of my favorite all-star games of all time. I love the way they did it. That is probably my favorite moment of the year. I was so involved. It was a lot of fun. Very memorable. That's a really good list. Um, you had some things on there I wasn't necessarily expecting. The man, that All-Star weekend makes me so angry because Jack Hughes and Zegris both got robbed of winning the breakaway challenge. They were both better than Alex Petrangelo, but that absolute freaking clown from St. Louis. I'm um, drawing a blank on his name. He's in Baby Driver. Uh, the actor, he picked Petrangelo because he likes him. Oh, John Hamm? No. John Hamm. What yeah. a just complete loser John Hamm is. Um, and then Jack and Jack got robbed again a day later when he had three points in the game and they gave the car to freaking Claude Giroux, who also had three points, but there was less impressive than Jack Hughes's three points. Um, yeah, annoying. Um, so Jack's just going to have to go to the all-star game this year and be better than everybody else once again. And we'll see if he's actually robbed. Well, John Hamm won't be there, so you don't have to worry. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, like, John Hamm, Petrangelo's not even on the Blues anymore. Like, get over it. Um, 
I, I say that if a devil's captain left after winning the cup, I would still love him and cherish his soul forever. But my three favorite moments from the NHL this season, obviously in no particular order, when I went to New Jersey a couple weeks ago and I saw the game at the rock for the first time, they lost. They lost to the New York Islanders, the New Jersey Devils did, but they were wearing their reverse retros. It was, I got to do the pregame show before live in front of a bunch of people. It was just a magnificent day. That's one of my favorite moments from the NHL season of the calendar year 2022. Um, another huge moment for me was back in June when the Devils won the second overall pick via lottery. And it was their third lottery win in the last like five years. Uh, this time it was number two overall instead of number one overall. But they drafted Simone Nemich, who's playing in this game right now, no less against Team USA. Um, I don't really. I would root for Team USA because I'm American. But like if Nemich and Hughes, as long as they have good games, that's actually all I really care about. Um, so your boy Snuggerud is going to the penalty box right now and putting Nemich and. Slovakia on the power play. But um, my other favorite moment is one you mentioned, except I'm taking it a little bit different route. You said when Ovechkin got to 800 goals, I'm going to go last Friday when he broke Gordie Howe's record for the most uh, second most goals in NHL history. I, I kind of think it's cool that he tied it and broke it in the same game. So that way we don't have to sit there like, okay, now we're waiting for Ovechkin to break the record. He already broke it. There's one person ahead of him now. It'll take him about two and a half years to do it. And I love the Ovechkin storyline. That are my three. Those are my three favorite moments of the NHL calendar year 2022. Very nice list. I hope that I could add Hawks drafting Connor Bedard to my 2023 recap. Yeah, absolutely. That's very possible. Borderline likely. Um, Frank, I kind of skipped over college. You have three favorite college moments from this season, basketball or? I do. I do. Um, first is I'm going to go back. Well, two of them are college basketball, so I'll start with the college football one. That came uh, when Tennessee, number six Tennessee, defeated number three Alabama by a score of 52-49. Tennessee fans went nuts. Ripped the field goal post off of whatever they're hooked onto, whatever you want to call them, ripped them out of the ground and was surfing them through the crowd and through the streets. Of, of, because, where was it in Alabama? Through the streets of Alabama because of how, like, how crazy they were. I don't even know. I'm at a loss for words, but. Just they were absolutely stunned that they beat Alabama. I know you were watching it. I was texting a couple people about it. That game was insane. And the way it ended, Alabama had a chance to win. Or to, no. Did they miss a game tying field goal? Yes. Or did they miss a game leading field goal? Was it 49-49 and they missed? I think it or was did they miss a game tying I think field it was 49-49. Okay. And they missed a game leading field goal, you're saying? I'm pretty sure. I, I think it was. Up, I think it, it was because Tennessee, Tennessee took over on downs. Yep. And then they went down and kicked the field goal. Yep. That was a crazy moment of this year. Insane. It didn't happen in 2020 
too, and I'm pissed. But Cincinnati making the college football playoffs would have been on this list. That was December 31st. We missed it by one day. <laughs> so I didn't add it to the list. The other two have to go to college basketball. It's St. Peter's Cinderella story. St. Peter's went on an absolute tear. They made history as the only 15 seed to make the Elite Eight in their path, taking down number two ranked Kansas, number seventh ranked Murray State, and number three Purdue. It was unlike anything I've ever seen in March Madness. It made history. I was stunned. St. Peter's. Get that name stuck in your head. St. Peter's. <laughs> Defeated Kansas, Purdue, and Murray State. Something I never thought I would see. It was wild. Absolutely stunning. But this game that I'm about to mention was absolutely insane. If you ask me, do you know what my favorite college team is? Is it, is it Duke? Mm-mm. Is it North Carolina? It is North Carolina. They were the first ever college hat when I got those that brand of hat. I wanted a North Carolina hat for so long that I finally went and got one. There's something about this team. I don't know what it is. Michael I'm attracted Jordan? to no. I'm attracted to this team for some reason. I don't I guess it's the color scheme, the logo, but there's something about North Carolina that just has me like just attracted towards them. I find my way moving toward it. I don't know what it is. I don't have a reason. It's just, I think it's the color scheme, the logo, the team as a whole. I don't know. But there's something about them that makes them special. They played Duke in March Madness this past season. For the first time ever in the tournament, that's hard to believe that the, this was their first meeting ever in the tournament. And boy, was it a blockbuster matchup. Coach K's final game, North Carolina defeating them 81-77. It's going to go down as a March Madness classic. It'll be on when a sports center goes, classic NBA, March Madness moments of all time. This will be in the top 10. This was a special game. I have a shirt of Coach K's funeral with this score on it, 81-77. A North Carolina shirt. Like I said, I'm attracted to this North Carolina school, this, this um, university. I don't know. But that match is just – it was absolutely insane. Blockbuster. Even your Kraken hat is North Carolina colors. Something about it, man. Yeah, that's funny. You have one of my three. Um, my One of my three is definitely Duke, North Carolina, Coach K's final game ever. I will never forget it. That was amazing. Uh, March Madness is always some of my favorite. Um, I would put – I'm trying to think. I had one in my head that I wanted to name. Obviously, Georgia winning the national championship. I can now add Georgia to the list of SEC teams I have seen win the title with my own two eyes. I've seen Auburn win. I've seen Alabama win, yeah. LSU, and now Georgia. So I'm excited. I hope – you know, I was rooting for Tennessee because uh, I want to see as many teams win it from the SEC as I possibly can. And then I had one from college last year that I can't. 
So you know what I'm just going to end up going with? I'm going to end up going with the college football playoff ranking this year, the final one ever uh, for this year, not ever, but when Michigan and Ohio State made it. And the fact that they both made it, and if they both win, they will play each other in the national championship. I think having Michigan and Ohio State in the college football playoff is absolutely unbelievable. It's the best rivalry in college. It's one of the five best rivalries in all of sports. That would be insane. I'm going to go with that as my third one in this list. Best college moments. Yes, it would be absolutely insane. So those are my favorite college moments. I like them. What are your three sporting events? And I know three is a low number, so this that makes is this tough. is so tough. Very hard. That you are most excited for in 2023. I have some honorable mentions because there's just there's too many. It's unfair to ask almost. Yeah, I know. But up there for sure is the Super Bowl for me. Super Bowl. It's a whole people who don't watch football watch. It's a whole event dedicated to it. I look forward to the food. The entertainment, I just everything about Super Bowl Sunday is is just so good. I, I always look forward to it. It's one of my favorite events of the year. It's like another holiday, almost. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that Stanley Cup Finals. I always look forward to the Stanley Cup Finals. Give me some good hockey. Hopefully, got some good teams in there this year. Maybe the Vegas Golden Knights will make it. If they do, I'll be pulling for them. If they win the cup, even better. Definitely looking forward to the Stanley Cup Finals, and then. Also, March Madness. That's another thing I look forward to every year. I love March Madness so much. That's another event that gets people who don't watch college basketball involved in the sport. It's it's so much fun making a bracket, too. I look forward to that. So, Some of my honorable mentions, NBA Finals. I can't wait for the NBA Finals. The World Series, obviously. Women's World Cup. That'll take place over the summer. I'm looking forward to that. You know, the four major tennis sports or the, the tennis majors, uh, the Australian Open, uh, French Open, U.S. Open, and Wimbledon. I am also looking for that, too. So, I mean, there's a lot of sporting events that I look forward to every year. One that doesn't happen every year that I mentioned, though, like I said, the Women's World Cup. That'll be interesting. Uh, I, I'm hoping Team USA could pull it out. But um, what do you got? What are your three, though? My three were the Super Bowl, the Stanley Cup Finals, and March Madness. Okay. And then I went on to the honorable mentions of the NBA Finals, the World Series. I'll give the honorable mentions all the championships of each sport, too. The only championship that makes my top three is the Super Bowl. Um, It's just amazing. I love the Super Bowl. I will go to a Super Bowl in my life. That is one of my all-time goals. Um, It's one, it's near the top of my bucket list is to go to a Super Bowl. But I am very excited for it. I do believe the Super Bowl winner will be one of the five following, the Bengals, 49ers, Eagles, Bills, or Chiefs. I do believe one of those five will win the Super Bowl. Um, my next one in line is the NHL All-Star Game. This is going to be the first year that the Devils are like a competitive team going into it, so I'm excited to – you know, see if Jack Hughes is able to play in this event. I'm just very much looking forward to the NHL All-Star game. Um, and I honestly think, this is going to sound crazy, that on January 2nd, 
when I'm watching the Boston Bruins play against the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Winter Classic this year, I wouldn't be saying it for any old matchup. Listen, I was excited to watch the Wild last year playing it. I like the Wild. But there's something about the Bruins and the Penguins playing each other in the Winter Classic this year. I'm throwing that on my list in the top three. I am so excited for the Winter Classic. So excited. Interesting list for sure. Yeah, and I'll give honorable mentions. You know, I will watch the tennis Grand Slam. I will watch um I, I love the World Series, obviously. Um all MLB playoffs, all NHL playoffs. Hopefully the Devils make it this year. Um this World Junior Tournament going on, the gold medal game will be in 2023. Um I think I would be more like that this might make my list if like there was a top if Bedard was American, you know, for sure. Or if the mm-hmm. devil stunk and I thought they had a chance at him. I mean, don't get me wrong. I hope Chicago wins him, wins him just so I can go watch him whenever I want. That would be really nice. But I do think it's cool that the both captains of this game are devils. Sure. Um, but yeah, those are my favorite things I'm most excited for going into 2023 though. And this is the show of takes. What are your three hottest takes going into the 2023 calendar year? This was tough. So I thought outside of the box, only one of them is sports related. The other two are non-sport related. I had had to come up with something. This was tough for me. First off, I'll go with the sport related one. I think the NBA champion is going to be new blood. It It could be a Nuggets, a Pelicans, a Grizzlies. You know, everybody thinks oh, the Warriors, the Suns, the Bucks. The Bucks, yeah, they're playing well. They're one of the best teams in the league right now. Suns are having an off year. And they're going to be without Booker for four weeks starting today. Golden State's having an off year. They're without yeah. Curry for a month. Lakers might not even make the playoffs. Lakers stink. I think we're going to see are, are the Cavs going to make a comeback and be new blood once again with not like LeBron or having Kyrie on their team. and I would consider the Cavs winning new blood. Yeah, I mean, especially without like those types of players. The Nuggets, the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, they've been incredible, especially the Pelicans with Zion. They've been great. I mean, I think that the NBA champion could be new blood this year. That is a hot take because in the NBA, when you have like your core team, it seems like it's easier to win the championship. But no, I'm going to go and say that there may be a new blood champion in the NBA this year as one of my first hot takes. Second hot take has to do with Big Brother. I think for Big Brother 25, there's going to be not one single new contestant. I think we're going to have all past contestants on the show this year. Just a gut feeling. Nothing, nothing. In, I mean, that's it happens. It hasn't happened in a while, but it happens. Uh, actually, it did happen, I think, when COVID was going on the year after or whatever, the first year back. I think it was just easier for them to get past contestants on than trying to you know, interview for new ones. But I, I do. I think there's going to be all past contestants coming for their 25th season. It's going to be a big season. We'll see how that goes. And the last one. Just because I couldn't think of anything else. I think by the end of 2023, I will have both an Xbox Series X and a PlayStation 5. That would be huge. It would be huge. That would be huge for App Trigger, too. Yeah. 
well, you took my question and took it in a completely different direction than I thought, and I'm kind of happy about it. I am kind of happy about it. Trying to think if I have any outside of sports huge hot takes for the the season coming up here. My hottest take is that the Houston Astros are going to repeat as World Series champions. It is a hot take. I believe they are going to go back-to-back and win their third World Series title in the last six years. Must have been a good sale again. Huh? There must have been a good sale again. On glue? Yeah. I don't think you're in any position to be talking to me about (laughs) glue right now, Ovechkin. Um, It didn't happen yet. You can make fun of me when it happens, but until then. That's fair. That's really fair. Um, I I don't know. I'm trying to think. Do I want to do a non? I'm, I got my sports ones. Obviously, I'm trying to think if I can come up with any non-sports related. Well, do ones. your sports ones, and then if you think about about it while you're talking, then go ahead and throw in the non-sports related. <sighs> Eric says, "So Jose Abreu is going to win one." Yes. Thank you for shooting that unnecessary dag into my heart there, Mr. <laughs> um, I believe that the Toronto Maple Leafs oh my God. are going to win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> this is the Maple Leafs year. They're not the hot team that every like it just has St. Louis Blues, Washington Capitals feel all over again. And okay. nobody's expecting it like they were last year and the year before. Nobody's talking about it. Everyone's saying, oh, first round Leafs, first round Leafs. They were first round Capitals or first round Blues, uh, lose to the Penguins Capitals. And then they finally did it. And their time is running out. Austin Matthews will be a free agent in a couple of years. He's probably going to leave. Um, the Maple Leafs are going to win. Chicago. The yeah, no shot. Maybe. Um. And my other hot take is that Patrick Kane will play in a city not called Chicago by the end of January. Wow. Yeah. Definitely by the end of February. But I'll, the hot part of it would be to say by the end of January. They're bad. They are really freaking bad. He's suffering because of it. He doesn't have as many points as we'd like for them to see. They should do him right by getting him on a contender with some actual good players and so that he could get back to and, and earn himself a nice contract for next year. So, Patrick Kane, you're out of here. We'll see. Very good hot takes. That was the definition of hot takes. Those were... Spicy. Out of those three, the most likely is Houston. You think so? Yeah. I think the shift being banned is going to hurt him tremendously. It might hurt like Jordan Alvarez, but it might help Altuve. No, it'll hurt Altuve. He, I tell you this all the time. He stands in right no, field. No, 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 no. That's what I'm – oh, defensively. I'm talking offensively. Offensively maybe, but defensively I think it's going to hurt him. Yeah. We'll see. Defensively, it'll hurt. It'll hurt everyone defensively, but it'll help everyone offensively. Yeah. And the Astros are just smarter than everyone. Like, they just are. I hate Frank. I hate him just as much as you. 
The Mariners and the White Sox, the last two teams each team lost to in the playoffs is the Astros. Like, I don't want to talk about the Astros, but now that they added Abreu, like, I'm almost inclined to root for them a little bit. I Not actually didn't realize they added Abreu. Yeah, Jose Abreu, Houston Astros. They lost Verlander, which is going to hurt, but they won big without him before. Yeah. So, I don't know. What did the White Sox get for him? Nothing. They, he was a free agent. Oh. That does hurt yeah. them. So, that's our New Year's predictions slash recalling all the great things about 2022. We hope that everybody had a fantastic 2022 and wishing everybody a happy new year. And with that, no matter what, we will always be degenerate a-hole gamblers. And that's where we are going to take over in America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Breaking bets. Welcome to Breaking Bets. Frank, the floor is yours. This is the last Breaking Bets segment of 2022, so let's end the year with a bang. And this is the last Breaking Bets where we will be not keeping Frankie accountable. I have big plans of keeping track. I'm going to throw it on the screen, hopefully, but that'll have to be the second show because the first show, there'll be nothing to show for 2022. Yeah. yeah. So the second show... I'm gonna try and put statistics on the sh- uh, on the screen for everybody to see. So yeah, that is. Uh, let's just get into it then, right? Nothing really else to say. Let's end 2022. Calgary travels to Seattle tonight. I'm wearing release the Kraken. I think Seattle's gonna win this game. I like Seattle money line at minus 110. When I checked, it was a pick'em. Calgary's playing back to back. I'm not, that's not the reason I'm taking Seattle in this situation. But Calgary's not hot right now. Their last three uh, wins came against the Sharks twice, and they beat the Ducks. Wazoo. Congratulations, Calgary. You came away with three wins against two of the worst teams in the National Hockey League. On the other side, Seattle's been playing pretty good at home. So, I like in a pick'em situation. I'm gonna go with Seattle at home. They've impressed me so far this season. And in a pick'em, I like the money at minus one ten. Seattle money line. Second game, college basketball. Temple visits Eastern uh, Carolina. ECU. I like Temple money line in this situation on the road. ECU has won three in a row, but they've been against easy opponents. They beat High Point, Coppin State, Campbell. I mean, are these high schools or are these college universities that they're beating? Come on now. <laughs> yeah, they got three They got three cupcakes. Temple's had to play teams like VCU, St. Joe's, Ole Miss. No wonder they're on a three-game losing streak, but I think they're going to b- bounce back against a not-so-great Eastern Carolina team who's been mopping up against the bottom feeders in the NCAA 1 division. I like Temple Moneyline at minus 103. I think there's some good value there. So take Temple Moneyline. And uh, hopefully this isn't where ECU decides to shine and beat a, an actual decently good team. My last play, 
which may be my favorite play of the night. So watch it. I'll probably end up losing because I said that. Yep. Nuggets visit the Kings for the second night in a row. Last night, Nuggets played the Kings. Nuggets play the King, Kings tonight. Last night, Nuggets won 113-106. Kings are two-point underdogs. I like the Kings plus two. Nuggets have been playing well, but playing a back-to-back against the same team tends to go in the opposite direction. Nuggets are a clear, better team by miles. I understand that. But when you play the same team back-to-back games, it's very tough to beat them twice in a row. You know that the Kings know what they need to do to fix their mistakes from last night, and they will do just that. I expect the Kings to keep it close within two points, if not win the game. So on the safe side, take the Kings plus two at minus 110. This line has fluctuated in front of my eyes. I was staring at it. It was minus one and a half. Then it was up to, or it was plus one and a half. Then it was up to plus two. It was going crazy off the bonkers. I like the Kings plus two at minus 110 to get some revenge from last night's seven-point defeat over the Nuggets. Those are my three picks tonight, and hopefully we could close out 2022 off on the right foot. I absolutely love it. Those are some good picks. Um, The Calgary-Seattle one is the most interesting to me, but we'll see how the uh, Nuggets-Kings game goes as well. You know how I feel about the Sacramento Kings and their NBA irrelevance. But, um, yeah, good stuff, Frank. It was a great year. We've done 91 of these now, and we got 100 coming up. I think 100 is – it's either late February or early March. I think early Uh, March because February is short. Yeah. I'm very much excited about everything we got going on. Um, It's a big year for hockey, obviously. Every year is a big year for hockey now. But 2022 was a year where we saw the Colorado Avalanche win the Stanley Cup. Uh, the Houston Astros win the World Series. The um, Golden State Warriors win the NBA championship. And the Los Angeles Rams won the Super Bowl. So, you know, some big cities, some big names, winning stuff like that. Obviously, we saw Argentina win the World Cup as well. I think that's very important to note because we finally got to see a legend like Lionel Messi finally get over the hump and win a World Cup. I think that's very important as well. Go ahead. No, I said, yeah, that's all I was saying, yep. Oh, yeah. So it was a great year. This show has been taken to another level. I'm excited to see where we go next. Um, I highly encourage everybody to watch Crosstown Crosstalk tomorrow. Uh, We'll be going over everything baseball-related once again, and it, it should be good. It should be good. So it was a great year. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed it, and we will be back here on Bardown Talking Hockey in 2023. One week from today, we will recap what went on in the Winter Classic, start looking forward to All-Star Games and the stretch run of the NHL season. Most people will probably start getting along back to work by then. So enjoy this week. Enjoy the weekend. Stay safe. New Year's Eve weekend is a very dangerous weekend you know, in a lot of places in terms of people making mistakes with their decisions to drive and whatnot, just, just be smart out there and 
if you ever need anything from anyone, Frankie and I are always here. So we're excited to keep it going with you guys and enjoy the magnificent hockey that's going on this week, starting tonight with the New Jersey Devils facing off against the Boston Bruins. I hope everybody enjoyed. For Frankie, for me, for everybody at the Great Barroom Network, make sure you're tuning in all weekend. As always, thank you for listening. Another happy landing. <laughs> <laughs>